0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So, does anybody know about the story of Rahab already? I see a show of hands. I know Elaine knows it very well. A few hands. Okay, so a little pop quiz for you. And uh, hands up and I will take the first answer. Where did Rahab live? Jericho, okay. What was Rahab's line of business? Someone else, someone else. (laughs) Prostitutes. How many spies came to Rahab's house? See any hands over there? No? Two, two spies came to Rahab's house. And last question, where did she hide them? In her house? Yeah. The walls. Not on the walls, no. Go in there. In her attic, no. Tasha, my love. On the roof. On the roof, that's right. So let's just quickly read through the story of Rahab. The next slide, please, guys. Okay, so it's a bit of a long one, but I think it's worth going through. Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two spies secretly from Shittim saying go view the land especially Jericho so they went and came to the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there it was told the king of Jericho saying behold men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land and the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying bring out the men who have come to you that who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the land But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they came came from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark. The men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, and as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Slide. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed." When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with me and my whole household. Give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the hill country, so the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterwards you may go on your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you tie this scarlet cord of thread this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself your house your father mother your brothers and all your household and it shall come about anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street his blood shall be on his head and they and we shall be free but anyone who is with you in the house his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him okay So, and she says, according to your word, so be it. So, interesting, eh? It's easy to focus... Oh, can we have the next slide, please? Sorry. (laughs) It's easy to focus on Rahab's occupation as a prostitute. But, as I've discovered when I've been reading this story and studying it, there's a lot more to the story than perhaps first meets the eye. Certainly, the word harlot in Hebrew, zuna, and in Greek, porn, means whore. She was a prostitute. But I believe something happened to her, and it was something that would change the course of history for her and her whole family. In actual fact, uh, and God often works this way, doesn't he? Sometimes the, the very fact of her sinful past and how... How immoral she was, and that, you know, the the fact that she was like that, but yet comes through, is a highlight highlights God's amazing grace and mercy towards us. She, because of her occupation, you could say, because she came through in the end, and we'll talk about that later. It really shows that it's not because of who we are, what we do, our occupation, or. or you know, our works that that we are saved, but because of who we are and what our heart is. I mean essentially the book of Joshua tells all about how he takes the people through, the people of Israel through into the promised land. Canaan is the battlefield and Jericho is the city, the first the first city to be taken down as they come into the Promised Land. And it was actually um, a, a strategic place, Jericho. It sort of divided the, the tribes of the north from the tribes of the south. They had access to the mountains there. So for Joshua to come through and take Jericho was very strategically important. It was a major stronghold, and there were some very powerful men and, that lived in that, in that city, the Amorites. The people of Jericho, the Amorites, actually were a very sinful people. Um, they, we can put this? yeah, they were pretty much dedicated to worshiping false gods. And in fact, Jericho, Bet Yerah, means house of the moon god. They were heathens, heathens to the utmost in that place. They were cursed of God. Back in Deuteronomy, God did say that he would be destroying the Amorites and all the people in Jericho because they put their faith in these false gods. So, we can have the next slide. So, here we have Rahab. Now, you can see the city there is divided into two parts, the outer walls and then the inner walls. Now, the, the poorer people lived in the outer walls and the... Sort of more wealthy lived inside the main, in the inner compound. And Rahab's house was right on the outside compound and it was actually built into the wall. So her, her house was uh, right up against the outer city wall with a stairwell going up to a flat roof that was probably parallel with the top of the walls there. So along come the spies. And I believe they were divinely directed to visit Rahab's house. And we know from the story, it says in Hebrews 11.31, that she, that she received the spies with peace and then hid them on the roof. Now, Actually, the city would have been on strict guard. The, the stories of what was going on with the people of Israel, all, the, all of the um, successes they'd been having with the Lord and how he'd been doing great miracles with them would have been going around in the city of Jericho at that time, and the king was very alert to any uh, alert to any. Um, what's the word? <laughs> oh, it's gone. That's embarrassing. Um, yeah. So the king was alert to anything strange that was going on, and he would he was wanting to um, make sure that none of these Israelites would infiltrate his city. So, sorry, the spies are inevitably going to be pursued, and indeed, the king's messengers came and told Rahab to bring out those spies. In actual fact, I thought this was quite interesting because, because the people in Jericho, they, they wouldn't have been any Sabbaths observed. They wouldn't have read out any scriptures. There wouldn't have been any prophets that would have been welcomed in that place. It was a completely immoral city, and so Rahab wouldn't have heard of the wouldn't have heard the scriptures. Um, so, why did she, when the spies come, what what gave her the confidence to send them off, send the send the messengers off, and why was she so disloyal to her people? Well. Uh, I I love this. I think it's clear that when the spies come, she's already been saved. She's already been quickened in her spirit. And you can tell this um, from her language and also references in other parts of Scripture. Paul in Hebrews 11 ranks her along with a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, She's the only other woman besides Sarah who is listed, ranking alongside Noah, Abraham, David, Joseph and Moses. Wow, those are men of great faith, and Sarah great faith, and Rahab is listed amongst them. So I think that proves a level of faith in her that we might otherwise miss. It's a unique position among women in the Bible, and her declaration of faith activates her actions. Why she sends sends the the uh, the king's messengers off, and. When she speaks to the spies on the roof, her language, I think, yeah, um, I know that the Lord has given you the land, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Well, that's a revelation of faith, isn't it? Would someone that was actively participating in prostitution say those things? I... Would say not. Grace doesn't leave us in the condition it finds us. A genuine saving faith is accompanied by a changing of works, a changing, a changing attitude and perspective. And Hebrews eleven shows that Rahab's faith was a saving one. Now you can assume that she'd heard the reports of the Israelites. No doubt, travellers had come through her way, and maybe. In the past, she'd spoken to men at her house about what was going on with the people of Israel. And I think she'd heard those reports, and she was thinking, these are some people that are doing something different to what everything's like around here. This sounds exciting. In the next slide, please. It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So she wouldn't have heard the scriptures, and you know, nothing like that wouldn't, wouldn't have been happening in Jericho. It was all idolatry, immorality, and yet she hears what's going on with the people of Israel, and her faith is activated. And I think then that causes her to have great confidence to, to know that the Lord would deal kindly with her and all her family if she helps the, the spies. She could see that to take sides with the spies was to take sides with God, she was willing to actually risk her life to, to uh, trust God and um, secure her salvation. So, another little thought. How do we know that she may be repented from prostitution? Well, there's a hint of it right here when she's talking to the hidden spies. When It says she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. Interesting. Just come over the next slide. Here's some stalks of flax laid out in order on somebody's uh, veranda. This is just a, you know, somebody in modern day that's trying out the manufacture of linen. But you can see there's quite a bit there. It's not enough to cover two grown men, is it? So for her roof, for Rahab's roof, to have enough flax on there to hide two grown men. She was, she was industrious, yes? Now, drying out a flax is the first part of cultivating uh, to, to create linen. There's quite a few processes that you go through, and then you spin it by hand. So I would say that this was further proof that Rahab has really come through with God. And she's turning her hand to a much more worthwhile occupation. I dug a little bit further on flax because I was quite interested about this. It mentions flax in Proverbs 31, 10 to 13. An excellent wife, who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. She looks for wool and flax, and works with her hands in delight. Now, flax was apparently cultivated in the tropical climate around Jericho a lot at that time, and it was something that many women, particularly of noble birth, would, would be doing. And Interestingly, Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And bleached flax is actually flashing white. And the term whiteness, shesh, also means linen. I just find there's a lot of symbolism there. That though the sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And there's another little one. I'm just going to say it anyway because I was so touched by it. Isaiah speaks of the gentleness of the Messiah using an expression, which is actually in Matthew as well. The bruised reed he shall not break, and the smoking flax he shall not quench. Flax here means the wick of a lamp which is made from flax. And the meaning behind the verse, Jesus will not extinguish a flickering dying lamp, i.e. he will not oppress. His humble followers, but cherish the very small beginnings of grace. And that's what we have in Rahab, isn't it? The little beginnings of, of faith and grace. And her city is soon to come under attack by the Israelites. The, the people of Israel are led, are led by a powerful, divinely appointed leader, Joshua, whose name in Greek actually means Jesus, if you didn't already know that. And they've been commanded to destroy every inhabitant. But yet, there is one of God's elect residing in the city, a Gentile, an Amorite, of loose moral character, back in the day, who's come to faith and turned her hand to the noble task of cultivating flax. Oh, so dry. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a picture of Rahab as a really courageous, resilient lady who has just heard the reports of the people of Israel and has come to faith. And she risks her life with a with an act of high treason. She sacrifices her whole people to side with God. So, I don't know if we've got... What's the next slide for me? I can't remember. Yeah. So... Rahab was definitely playing a part in God's plan. Oh, thank you. Don't you think? I think that she was playing a very big part in God's plan. She was instrumental in providing Joshua with vital information about the state of the people in Jericho at that time before he came to conquer the city, or to attack the city, um, she lets them know that the people had no heart to fight. And Josh had been waiting for the report. And in actual fact, she sends the spies, if you read the story, she sends the spies off and says to wait in the mountains for three days. There's a significance, I'm sure, in the three days, but we won't go into that, don't worry. Um, But suffice to say, her advice is divinely inspired. Um... I think if you go to the next slide for me. So, this is an interesting one. Where was the, where was the most dangerous place in Jericho at the time? On the walls. The latest stories talks about the army walk, going round the city six times, marching round it, and then the seventh day they blow the horns and all the, the walls come tumbling down. So the walls were a re- really dangerous place to be, actually. Where was the safest place to be? Rahab's house and where is Rahab's house? built into the walls it's amazing, I love how God does that I think it shows God's divine power and grace is he powerful enough to save us? is he powerful enough to save us when we are in the place of greatest risk and most danger? yes he is and actually this uh, is supposed to be I believe Rahab's house, what's remains of Rahab's house. So it's like a monument. All the walls tumbled down, and yet Rahab's house remained. It wasn't destroyed, and Rahab was out. She was rescued, and as promised. I think that serves as a real reminder that God is most powerful when we put our faith in him. And it was actually when the army went round and they destroyed Jericho it was not the soldiers might that destroyed the walls it was god's power i mean god actually showed up and he was with joshua when those walls came tumbling down but god is so powerful god is so powerful and rahab was a mighty woman of god she was the only person in that entire city was prepared to believe in him? The only one. What did the rest of the people of Jericho do? They did nothing. They were quaking with fear. And even when later on in the story of Joshua, when the armies are going around, six days they went round, not attacking, not doing anything. Could there have been some people from Jericho that could have come out and surrendered and said, come on, we want to join you. You know, let's make a pact. Save us. We want to join with you. Nobody did that. It was only Rahab. Only Rahab. So if you can look at the next slide, the scarlet cord. There's so much symbolism and significance in the scarlet cord. Um, Right through the Bible, you see God's work through blood. And the, the scarlet cord really parallels the blood of the holy Passover that was that was put onto the doors and the lintels back back in the in the part time of the Passover, and also I think it parallels with the blood of Jesus, who that we rightly lay claim to that will protect us and help us in our time of need. We pray, don't we? The blood of Jesus will protect us. Now that might sound a little bit strange, but it shows here back in you know blood symbolised. Freedom and protection. So, the victory. What happened after she was rescued from Jericho? Well, there is some debate if you look at lots of different web pages <laughs> and stories, but the majority of texts that I've read and prove, well, suggest that Rahab actually married Salmon. Salmon. Is that how you say it? Salmon. And they had a baby boy whose name was Boaz. And of course, Boaz married Ruth. They had a son, Obed, who went on to father Jesse, who was the father of King David. So actually, through David, Rahab takes her place in the line of Jesus. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Salmon was a prince of Judah. And Rahab married him after this whole story. So she marries into one of the leading families of Israel. She's saved and rescued, honoured and elevated and immortalised in scripture in this way. God chooses what is foolish to shame the wise and he chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. So... The story of Rahab, an inside job that tripped off by an act of faith. And that was all Rahab had to do to play her part, was to take courage and have faith that God would be strong enough and able. And of course he did. And look at how God wants to help us, rescue us, when we're in, uh, we're in an evil society You know, there's lots of stuff going on out there. And God is more than able and capable of helping us and keeping us from that. His promises are true for every single person, no matter what we've done, no matter what occupation we have, whether we're male or female, Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. That's not important to him. What's important to him is our heart and that we're obedient to him. And the same God that was working through Joshua and Rahab back then is the same God now, the same God that we have access to. The more you look at Rahab's interlude into the conquest of Joshua, the more you see God's plan to rescue the church. The fact that she's a woman, a Gentile, Um, In fact, she's the first recorded Gentile convert. It shows how much he values women as much as men and the part that we have to play in his kingdom. Rahab was slap bang in the middle of a battleground, and so are we. Ephesians 6.11 encourages us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And my goodness, how true that is. You know, women have a vital role to play. We have a vital role to play in his kingdom, and there is a high calling on our lives. It's a great adventure of faith, but what's important is that we come to him and that we give him our lives, that we focus on him every day, that we spend time seeking what he says to us, what he wants us to do. And actually, when you come into the calling of God, it is not a burden, but it's perfectly suited. I know Sim said it to to us before. It's about things that are good for you, that use your natural skills and talents, the things that God ordained and planned for you right from the beginning. When you move into those ministries and those callings, it's, it's great, you know, it brings life and energy and joy and health. And so I encourage everybody to think about what your calling is, what you want to do for the Lord. And it doesn't have to be a big, massive conquest of a city. It's about how we live each and every day, staying true to God and asking him to show us how we are going to play the part in his kingdom. <coughs> But we have an enemy, and he would certainly like us to feel like we're failing just a little bit at who we are and what we do. He fights to limit our focus on God. He tries to keep us away from our calling, and he tries to bring us down and keep us from doing what God has called us to do. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can come through. What's important is the choices that we make, how we spend our time, how we choose to, you know, who we choose to connect with, courses to go on, church to come every week. There's lots going on, lots to get involved with. And it's those things, keeping close to God and keeping our journey of faith going through, that will help us to overcome the enemy, And to move into our calling. The reality and truth of women's potential and purpose is is that we're helpers and supporters of God's plan. Going out to Uganda, doing all of that, that's an amazing part that we're playing in God's kingdom because He wants to save every single one of His sheep. He doesn't want anybody to perish, and so it's all of our job to use our ministry and our calling to bring something of God to those people. Yeah. We choose faith, just as Rahab did. And all we need to do is to respond to his call in faith to keep on with him, to focus on him and involve him in every part of our lives and allow him to speak into every day that we might move in faith and see great things for his kingdom. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.